0: Here's your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach Podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them how they mentor others to achieve success,
1: and more. Hi, I'm Kerry Stamp, and this is the Business in Paradise podcast, where we talk to the great business leaders of Palm Beach County, Florida, the place that we are fortunate to work and play. My guest today is Dan Sheehan, the chairman and CEO of Professional Bank and Professional Holding Corporation. Dan has deep roots in Palm Beach County, and we're gonna hear his story today. Dan Sheehan, welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. Thanks for having me, Carrie. It's my pleasure. Dan, you you actually grew up here. You're one of the few, I think, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I was born in upstate New York, Canandaigua, uh
2: specifically, but uh, the family moved me down when I was three years old, 1978. I remember PJ Boulevard was, was two lanes, and uh, you couldn't go on uh, I-95 north of PJ. You actually had to jump on the turnpike, and reconnect up uh, at Yeehaw Junction. I've seen a lot
1: of change over the over the years. So, what got your family to move from Canadagua, New York, to Palm Beach County, Florida, and that had to be almost thirty-five or forty years ago?
2: Yeah, it was, it was about uh, forty-two years ago, forty-three years or so ago. But but uh, I, um, you know, it's probably. A question that's more appropriate for my father th- th- than I. I. You know, I, I don't think uh, the three-year-old uh, had a, a weighted uh, decision in that process. But nonetheless, um, you know, I think he was initially attracted to, you know, what we're all attracted to—the um, the, the, weather—and uh, you know, this in many respects is still the wild, wild west. There's plenty of opportunity, no matter what business you're in. To, to, to thrive uh, in, in any of your pursuits. It's a healthy place to live. Um, it's a popular place to live. I think if you go back those 40, 40 some years, you'll see that the mig- migration trends have been f- fairly consistent. I'm sure there's ups and downs uh, given uh, certain economic uh, events uh, over time but uh, Florida has, has been a popular place to move to for, for years. And my, my father was in uh, a couple of different businesses. He, was, he, was in, uh, he worked for Cannon Canada wine company, um, among others, but he, he uh, wanted to come down here and, and start his own real estate company, which he did.
1: And I know your father and I know your dad's been incredibly successful in the real estate business down here. So give a little plug for, uh, what your dad uh, does. And I understand, uh, your wife is also part of the team with your dad's real estate firm.
2: Yeah. So, you know, he started it, I, you know, I, I believe the, the year we moved down, uh, 1978, uh, maybe, maybe it was 79, but, uh, you know, he started as a, as a one, you know, one, one man, uh, shop. And, uh, Over the years, uh, has diversified into commercial, in addition to to residential brokerage, has done quite a bit of development consulting, you know, planned uh, communities, um, as well as, you know, high density urban towers, uh, you know, primarily in Northern Palm Beach County. Today, my wife, Christy, has uh, taken over the firm and as my dad is, you know, still actively involved in many respects, He's in his sunset years, so it's been fun for me to watch my wife uh, take over a more active role in, in managing the, the company, which is what well in excess of 40 years uh, old. Um, there's In that space, there's not too many real estate brokerage companies. Um, I mean, you can count uh, with, with fingers just on one hand that have been around that long in northern Palm Beach County.
1: There's plenty of them that have come and gone, but uh, the Sheehan Agency has been uh, there. It's been consistent for many, many years. So congratulations to your dad and now to uh, Christy and Amin and the rest of the team at uh, Sheehan Agency. So, Dan, you went to a private school here in North Palm Beach. I understand. Is that right? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, that's right. So before the the lower school, before it was called the Benjamin School, it used to be called the North Palm Beach Private School. And uh, I started there in kindergarten. And, uh, my, my, you know, two of my three children attend, uh, Benjamin now, which is kind of a, a fun reason why, one of the reasons why we came back from, from Miami. But, um, uh, I, I attended uh, the Benjamin school up until my junior year. I, uh, transferred to the, the Palm Beach Gardens high school pr- primarily for sports. I, you know, I had a fairly good indication of, of some of the options I had with college and, uh, but decided to transfer to Palm Beach Gardens, which was the you know the big public school at the time, uh, to uh, play football for the team and, and run track.
1: And Dan, you're kind of a little guy. So, what uh, position did you play in the football team?
2: So, uh, I was uh, you know high school. I was a wide receiver and free safety on defense. A wide receiver on offense. I weigh about 20 pounds, 25 pounds lighter than, than I used to. I'm you know I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot less uh, into you know, lifting weights two or three, uh, you know, <laughs> twice a twice a week, twice a day, or, or otherwise, um, much more interested in, you know, uh, joint mobility and just feeling good when I wake up. But uh, yeah, I, I was a little bit bigger, and but but notwithstanding, I, I usually was one of the smallest guys on the field. Um, I, I, I was just good at running away from people, I suppose.
1: <laughs> That's a good skill to have. So you go from Ben or Benjamin to Palm Beach Gardens, and then on to Duke, if I understand that correctly. Is that right?
2: That's correct. I, I uh, was fortunate enough to play uh, football for Duke University. Uh, I was there for, for two years. I, I had, uh, you know, back in high school, I had a complicating uh, injury. I bro- broke my... My my uh, compound fracture, lower right leg, tibia amphibia, and fibia, um, and it started creating some some real issues in college. I, I went on to play, um, and I got redshirted my freshman year at Duke. Uh, pl- played my sophomore year uh, at Duke, but um, the the injuries re- related to my broken leg, and I still have a titanium rod in my my right leg uh, to this day it just started creating more and more problems. I was putting on more, more and more weight, um, but the mechanics of how I ran, uh, you know, my, my knee, uh, which had been opened up and put back together twice, uh, and, and the hip really, uh, started causing some problems. On top of that, I, you know, being one of the, the, the smaller guys on, on the fields, you know, suffered my fair share of injuries. So started thinking about life after football at the end of, uh, uh, my sophomore year at Duke and end up
1: transferring to the University of Florida. So, you go to the University of Florida, you graduate, and you come out uh, after graduating from Florida. And so, do you get your first job then?
2: A series of jobs growing up. I mean, I, I remember, you know, my, my first job was in, in Juneau Isles. I, I grew up in Ju- Juno Isles Boulevard, um, and I, I was cutting lawns at the age of, of 10. Uh, after that, uh, I worked at construction sites for a, a home builder here in town, uh, Skip Gazzo. Um, Skip uh, uh, was, was starting his home uh, building business in Admiral's Cove, and I worked worked uh, a couple summers uh, working for Skip's company as a as a laborer. You just do, do whatever work. Uh, uh, some of the tradesmen, you know, needed a helping hand, and then I got a really really um, high end job, high end as in be working in uh, air conditioning. And I was a bad boy at, at Publix. I was a bad bad boy at the Publix at the Bluffs uh, sh- Shopping Center for a year or two. Um, and so, if, if I don't know where you want to delineate your my, my first real job or not, but I had a series of those jobs. But I, uh, I my, my first internship, um, and, and and I also worked. Sorry, I'm going back to some of the jobs before you know what, what someone might consider my first real job was. Uh, I worked as a busboy at Panama Hatties. Panama oh, yeah. Hatties was a it was a, a well known uh, restaurant right at the south. Uh, west corner of Ellison Wilson and PJ Boulevard. The, the site's been vacant now, but uh, that was my uh, one and only um, job i've ever worked in a restaurant and i tell you what it was a g- great experience uh, you, you get an awful lot uh, uh much better appreciation of the folks in the service industry working at restaurants who wait on folks uh, for a living and uh, you know I, I got a lot out of it i don't think i made a whole lot of money out of it but certainly got a great deep or deeper appreciation for those in that business well, so um i had a handful of, of internships uh you know when i was in college um my first one what well, was it, duke was right here at what, what used to be, um, you know, Florida Power and Light, now Nextera Energy, in their workforce performance and development department. And this was a group that would study other Fortune 500 companies on what they did well, um, whether it was workflows, org charts, and, you know, employee incentive programs. Would go study these different companies and try to bring back and implement some of these ideas in, into um, uh, the, the next era or, or back then Florida, power and light org chart and, and, and company and culture to see if it would work. And that was a summer and, and, I, and I tell you what, I mean, you know, throughout, you know, I just mentioned some of the jobs that I'd had previously, um, you know, I, 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 it was important to learn all the things I was learning on the job, but. When you're a young person, at least my experience was it was also important to learn what you don't want to do. And uh, this workforce performance and development department was was essentially an HR job. And uh, while I, I learned a lot, I, I you know the, the the two or three months I spent there was, was was enough for me.
1: Yeah, Dan, I I can totally relate to that. Some of my earlier jobs uh, led me to the conclusion that I knew what I didn't want to do. My father actually was an engineer and drove a train for what was then known as the Chicago and Northwestern Railroad. And he got me a job one summer working as a brakeman uh, on the trains. And I pretty much knew at the end of that summer that this was not something that I wanted to pursue as a career. So I'm glad that I stayed in school and uh, gave myself plenty of options. So I I totally understand where you're coming from. So you've got all of these jobs and this is a very common theme that I find among very successful business people is that they do whatever it takes uh, as kids growing up, mowing lawns, delivering the newspaper, uh, doing whatever uh, needs to be done around the neighborhood, working in the grocery store, working at restaurants. That's fantastic. But you stayed in school, you got a degree, and you came out of school, and where did you go from there?
2: So uh, my first finance job uh, when I was, was wrapping up school was at Bear Stearns up in New York City. I was in a, a program that rotated y- young guys such as myself uh, in between, you know, undergrad and, and business school into the v- various departments, you uh, uh, of the organization. Uh, you know, I, I did get exposed to, um, you know, co- corporate finance, uh, some investment banking, but spent most of my time in their fixed income desks. They were back then one, one of the biggest uh, fixed income shops in the world, and not, not only for their own account, um, but uh, tr- uh, uh, d- did a lot of the securities uh, uh, tr- trading and settling. Uh, third party for a lot of the other firms and uh, I really got a, a great understanding of the complexity and scale of the securities market uh, up in uh, up on Wall Street and it, w- it was it was fascinating w- worked at uh, 345 Park Avenue a portion of the time and, and spent uh, another portion of the time down at one Metro Tech which was uh, which which was just just across the bridge uh, in Brooklyn.
1: Were you living up there by yourself? You're a single guy living in New York City.
2: Uh, I was, I was living with a a really good buddy of mine in the Upper West Side. It it didn't suck.
1: Yeah, I I can imagine. So um, how long did you spend in New York and and did you go from Bear Stearns to another job in finance?
2: So um, I I, I did. So it it was uh, uh, about a year and a half. And um, I had then decided to take, uh, to go back to school. So, you know, one of the things that's great about Palm Beach County, um, you know, is, is the weather, the, the lifestyle, et cetera. But when you grow up here, you don't know any better. And so you, you have to move away to appreciate that. And, you know, I, I'd spent a couple of years up in North Carolina at Duke, and then another couple of years at, at uh, in Gainesville, but uh, um, you know, living in New York was a was a whole different whole different experience. Uh, using public transportation, you know, the December's, January's, and February's with the weather. And I decided that you know I, I I'd done pr- pretty well for a year and a half. I established some great relationships with some folks at the firms, and and b- believed that that I had an opportunity to come back. Uh, once he got done with business school, so I, I decided to um, go to business school. But in, in the time before I started school, and when I was kind of winding down uh, the Bear Stearns matter, I, I uh, under the category of 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 um, ch- you know tr- trying different things in different industries and jobs, I had an opportunity to uh, work for MTV, Music Television, which again falls outside of perhaps what someone might think is the the typical uh, track for a finance guy, but it was under the, the philosophy of of wanting to try as as many different things as at at a young age as I could to not, not only determine, well, what I really like, but, you know, also what I I don't like. And so, you know, after a fairly intense, uh, you know, time at bear, I thought, well, how great would this be? Totally new industry, totally different crowd. Um, and you know, what could I learn here? I'm still gonna go back to business school and keep my option to, to go back to finance, but I was only uh, 23, you know, 24 at the time, why not? So uh, that same friend I mentioned to you that was living up in was in, um, sharing an apartment uh, with me at Upper West Side worked there, and uh, he, he, he got me the job and it was great. I traveled uh, all over the country on uh, MTV's Dime, um, and this was primarily before reality TV. People forget that MTV created two shows, Road Rules and Real World, which were which which were the first reality TV shows ever. And I got to work on a production with a production group called House of Style that produced a bunch of these really cool. Um, and, and funny, uh, and in some cases, looking back, kind of cheesy shows in, in the late 90s, and it was fun. I, you know, I d- didn't make a whole lot of money, but made a, an awful lot of friends, and, and got, got to meet some really, really talented, interesting people a- along the way that, you know, on one hand, m- might not be able to understand what I was doing at, at Bear Stearns, let alone balance your Checkbook, but were geniuses when it came to, you know, producing content, um, and, and making these shows happen. I, I, was, I was fascinated. It was a really, really cool experience.
1: So, so they didn't let you on the air as a VJ. You were on the production side of the house at MTV?
2: Uh, I was on the production side, although there might have been a few instances where I showed up on camera.
1: We're going to need to see those clips, Dan. So uh, I'm, sure you st- I'm sure you still have them. So uh, you're, you, you're working at MTV, you're traveling all over the country, you're living in New York City. Sounds like an absolute dream job for somebody in their uh, early 20s. Uh, it's, uh, is, so do you leave MTV and then go back to business school? Is that the order?
2: Yeah, so go back to business school, um, get, you know, get serious again. I, I, I returned to Miami. I was still a, still a you know, relatively young guy to go back to business school. Uh, many of the schools uh, that were, um, you know, accepting applications that I had interested in and wanted, you know, four to five years of work experience, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go to school. I, I thought that my time at Bear was at least worth maybe three to four years elsewhere. Um, I was certainly running and working at that pace. And I thought, well, the opportunity cost is going to be greater and greater um, the longer I wait. And so I uh, chose to go to University of Miami uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, they they, uh, accepted uh, me without the five years of work experience. Uh, They gave me a partial um, uh, scholarship uh, as well as um, it was back in Florida. And, you know, now I'm returning to Florida with a different perspective on the capital markets. Uh, and I realized quickly that if, if I wanted to, you know, end up um, doing something in Florida, the, the, the further south you go in Florida, the closer you are to New York. And so I, I moved to Miami, um, went to school there. I, I got, you know, a two-year program done in about 11 months and, uh,
1: you know, stayed in Miami for essentially 15 years. Wow, so two, two. You did a two-year business school program at eleven months. That's right. How'd you pull that off?
2: So I, you know, I was able to test out a, a, a few of their uh, mandatory classes up front, and I just went through the summer uh, full um, curriculum, and and got got permission from the dean. I think if you, yeah, you, you wanted to do more than the normal credits, you, you needed to get permission, and I did so, and. Again it was under the the, the um, thought that every day I'm in school um, you, you know I've got a, a cash burn um, every day I'm out of school I can I can start you know making money and de- delivering some some sort of economic return on this investment so I thought you know eleven months uh, I'll get it done and I can get right back either up to New York and start you know ma- making uh, um you know, a, a great living or, or, you know, stay in Miami and d- design uh, a new way to make money down there.
1: So at some point along the line, you meet Christy. When was that? So Christy and I met in 2003. Are you living in Miami at the time?
2: I'm living in Miami and Christy is living in Washington, D.C. Uh, that that buddy of mine that I was telling you worked for MTV um, has since left MTV started his own company and was um, one of the uh, associate producers for uh, what was then the NFL kickoff concert in Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, I think it was, it was either for ABC Sports or NBC Sports, but um, it was, I think the Philadelphia Eagles were playing the Washington Redskins, for the, for, the, for the season opener. And there's this kickoff concert uh, that, that was uh, right on the Washington Mall in front of the, you know, the, the, the uh, Capitol building. Um, and so it was you know, Mary J. Blige, Method Man, Aerosmith and some Britney Spears maybe. And uh, I was a single guy in Miami and, and uh, my buddies were producing this really big show. And they said, why don't you come up and hang out for the weekend? So I, I came up and um, I, uh, being in D.C., um, I, I had a, a, a former teammate of mine at Duke uh, who was our kicker who uh, I hadn't, hadn't seen in a number of years. So I, I called him up and told him I was going to be in town uh, with my friends producing the show and let, let's connect for a drink. Uh, he asked if
1: his little sister could join and uh, the rest is history. Wow. That's that's a great story. So you meet her in Washington, D.C. You go back to uh, Miami, and then I would imagine there's a little bit of back and forth and negotiating for a while, and then eventually you consist, can uh, convince her that uh, she needs to come to Miami.
2: Yeah, well, you know, January, February, it, it's not that hard, uh, yeah. you know, and so, um, yeah, she she decided to move. Um, we, we, we decided, and I was w- welcome to have her uh, move down to Miami. And um, you know, we, we lived in in Miami. Uh um, gosh, I was I was there uh
1: for 15 years. She was there for 10 of them with me. Wow. All right. And so in Miami, you get done with school and you re-enter the business world. Tell me what you were doing as you uh, came out of school and started your business in Miami.
2: Yeah, sure. So, you know, what I was doing up in New York really didn't exist down in Miami. You know, and even today, I mean, New York is still the center of the world for finance. And um, if you wanted to do anything similar to what I was doing with any scale, you had to be back up in New York. Um, I, I, I didn't really want to be in p- private banking. Um, you know, I, I'm just a gringo who speaks w- one language, okay, and and m- maybe enough uh, Spanish to get around in a bar, but but that's about it. Um, and uh and and, you know i I mentioned before my my father had been in the real estate business for you know such a long time um i I figured out how how to marry the 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 two disciplines so is there is there there something i could do i thought to myself that kind of marries you know uh real estate with finance capital markets etc and so what was happening was you know there was a, a a ton of capital migration down into to south florida but most of the balance sheets for uh, that capital um, f- formation uh, w- was in the more m- sophisticated markets, So Boston, DC, Chicago, New York, who were, who were starting to make investments in South Florida. I mean, traditionally, South Florida really wasn't an institutional real estate market. This was just a kind of a second home place for many folks uh, to, to, to come down to. Um, but most of the big deals were just done with local banks and in in some cases a a satchel full of cash from someone in South or Central America or Europe showing up. And so uh, it was in the late 90s, early 2000s that um, that there was capital formation around the asset class and then we started investing. So um, I ended up uh, working uh, with a company called LJ Melody and Company. I was uh, I think the the second guy to open up, uh, to, to be in their office. In Miami, and uh, that was uh, with a joint venture with GE Capital. Uh, we serviced back then, and these are 2000, 2000 or two thousand one dollars, two thousand two dollars. It's fifty-eight billion dollars of, of of real estate, you know, debt, preferred equity. Um, we GE Capital used its balance sheet uh, and 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 the LJ Melody platform to. Uh, deploy its capital in, into real estate investments, and of course, you know we we service all the debt. Uh, did that for a few years, and then that company was was um, bought by CBRE, the large real estate services company, and subsequently went public. I, I, I took a little bit different approach to that. I, I really didn't think that uh, being a public company in that market was um, the best move for a couple reasons. I just looked at South Florida, Miami in particular, being like the wild, wild west, there was so much opportunity um, to do do a variety of of, of different things, different businesses and so forth. And I just thought a public company structure would would limit me individually in different things I wanted to do, not just, uh, you know, invest on behalf of, you know, large, you know, uh, know, investment institutions. But I wanted to be able to do my, my own deals. I wanted to develop real estate, uh, uh, invest in real estate with, 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 with partners. I wanted to look at other businesses, uh, tech or otherwise, and being in a, in a public company structure w- was going to be limited in that. And so for the year prior, uh, there was another firm called, um, uh, Cohen financial, which was based in Chicago, um, that had, that had been re- re- recruiting my team and I, uh, for a year. And and we kept on saying no, kept on saying no, kept on saying no. Uh, their offer to come over kept on getting sweeter. And once the CBRE deal was announced, so you know, we we left. Jack, Jack Cohen, who's a, the principal of, of Cohen Financial, um, you know, his father founded that. It was much more entrepreneurial, much much more boutique in nature. Um, I, uh, I had a great arrangement with with the, the firm. Um, I, I was actually one of I think the only uh, independent contractor with a firm across the country and my deal with Jack was as long as I'm not uh, competing with corporate clients or creating any any risk for uh, the business and I just disclose what I'm up to he would allow me to do uh, different things uh, so um, whether it's uh, you know start a bank or invest in real estate or invest in a tech company or or do any of these other things, as long as I was generating uh, opportunity for the firm, uh, he was gonna let me do all these other things, which, which a public company typically would, would never let you, let you do. So it was very fortunate for Jack to, to allow me to do that. And that really set me up to, to do a couple things. One, you know, have access to, you know, large uh, institutional uh, real estate balance sheets, whether it's sovereign wealth funds, private equity funds, uh, endowments, foundations, but, but, which is great for kind of the, the big deal landscape, but also allow me the flexibility uh, to do some of these smaller deals and um, jump on these opportunities that, 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 that may, may, may not have suited, you know, a hundred million dollar equity check, but it was a four to $5 million equity check uh, that, that could be put together with, with me and a couple of friends and in a variety of different businesses. And, and uh, and so I was with it, that firm for uh, eleven years, and uh, it was it was only two years in, I suppose, that uh, the professional bank opportunity uh, presented itself.
1: Wow, Dan! And one of the things I I distinctly remember Cohen Financial from my time in Chicago. Uh, they were certainly a, a huge player in the uh, real estate scene in Chicago. And a little known fact about me is that many of my clients in Chicago were residential developers and home builders, and I spent about six years serving on the uh, board of the Home Builders Association of uh, Greater Chicago, and I know Cohen did uh, uh, probably a lot of multifamily deals, a lot of commercial deals, a lot of uh, industrial-type deals uh, all over the Chicago area, so uh, fantastic firm. So you're in Miami, you're kind of uh, uh, doing your own thing down there, very entrepreneurial experience, and uh, then the professional bank uh, opportunity uh, comes up. How did that uh, come about? How did the, how did you get in touch with them, or they get in touch with you, or what what was the relationship?
2: Yes, yeah, so uh, my accountant at the time uh, reached out to me one day and said, "Hey, look, there's a there's a gentleman uh, who had who had who had started a bank." Uh, in the early nineties or maybe late eighties and, you know, ultimately sold it to, to bank Atlantic. But there's a, there's a guy who wants to start a bank and he's looking to put, you know, he's looking to raise some money and put a, put a board together. I figured, uh, I'd introduce you to him because you know, you're, you're, uh, call me thought, thought it was a fairly enterprising guy. He says, well, you know, let me make the introduction. So, um, my, my accountant introduced me to a, a gentleman by the name of Larry Schimmel. Um, who was the, was the organizer the, the the original organizer to get me involved and 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 uh so i uh aggr- agreed uh to to get involved um i uh, invested alongside larry um and we o- opened up the bank um you know we started working on it in 2007 put together a business plan presented it to the fdic uh and the florida office of financial regulation and essentially got our charter approved in 2008 and uh, I, uh, you know, obviously been, been on the board ever, ever since and uh, but, but I in, initially started the first several years, I was just an outside director. I um, chaired a, a few of our committees. Um, but for the most part, I was still actively um, uh, pursuing
1: opportunities in, in real estate. So now, uh, it's come about within the last few years, you become the uh, CEO and I guess the chairman of both the bank and the holding company, is that right?
2: Yeah, so in um, in 2013, I, I became uh, the, the chairman of, of, of the board of the bank. Um, I had you know, been, been um, you know, I, th- I think I was the vice chairman uh, for a year or two prior to that. Um, And I immediately formed a holding company, Um, and we don't need to to get into it here, but there's various advantages having a holding company structure over over your bank as it relates to, you know, raising capital, uh, um, uh, et cetera. Uh, So we formed that in 2014. I became the, the chairman and CEO of the holding company, which is now you know the, the public vehicle that, that that you know we, we listed recently on, on the Nasdaq, um, and remained as as chairman of the board. I, I became the executive chairman uh, of the board uh, towards the end of 2016, um, and recently became I shouldn't say about a year ago became the chairman CEO. Uh, of the bank as well so they've been, been the chairman and CEO of the, the public holding company of the bank holding company uh, since its inception and, and chairman and CEO of the bank uh,
1: or CEO of the bank for a year chairman of the bank for, for I guess going on seven or eight years now. And Dan tell us a little bit about professional bank and what what's the uh, target of the bank and, and what's the reach of the bank from a geographic perspective?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'll back up for a minute and just kind of tell you a little, little bit about the bank and, and kind of the mindset around this. And, and And perhaps, you know, from an entertainment perspective, you'd appreciate the ignorance that I, uh, looking back, um, had for the banking business. So I, I told you that, you know, I, I decided to go in on this business. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, every business is like a lemonade stand, some, some are a little bit more complex than others. But Gosh, as I understand it, you know, you take, take people's deposits and you pay them interest at X, uh, you take that same money, you, you lease it out in the form of loans at Y, after paying the employees and rent, uh, we get to keep the difference. It's pre- pretty simple to me. And uh, that was right on the eve of the, uh, the, the great, uh, you know, global financial collapse of uh, 2009. Um, and uh, there, there were a, a lot of le- lessons learned, For- fortunately. We had not made any bad bets, and and quite frankly, were net beneficiaries of, of what happened because we had a really really strong balance sheet compared to our peers. But um, the the whole thought um, around this was that you know, like I, I said, I, I you know I thought it was a simple business, and, and in some respects, it still is a simple business. I think the complexity is how do you execute. Uh, the, the the business um, in an environment with so many different, you know, competing factors. But, you know, one of the, the, the observations I had made when I, when I thought about getting into the business was, you know, th- there just weren't a whole lot of banks that I thought had a, a sense of hustle. Um, m- many of, of the banks uh, seemed tired. And this was, this was before you, remember, the introduction, a lot of the new tech technology that a lot of the bigger banks have now. Um, I mean, the, the the robust features on on apps today weren't around back then. But uh, you know, th- there weren't too many banks that had bankers out in the market that had a sense of urgency uh, that that you know gave their cell phones out that that would work on weekends, etc. And I thought, well, how cool would it be if we had a had a bank uh, that that attracted some of the, the harder working folks that had a sense of urgency um, that really took pride in what they did and behaved like owners of the business. And I thought, you know, being a, being a small bank, um, you know, I think we might have a size advantage just to, to attract some, some great people that want to hustle and, and d- deliver on that value prop to, to, the, to, the, uh, to the community because they just hadn't seen it. And maybe it was out there. I just, I hadn't experienced it. Um, everybody was always complaining about their bank. No one was saying that, you know, so, so anyways, uh, that's the kind of philosophy. Fast forward, you know, we're in 10 locations throughout South Florida. Um, we've got an, uh, an office in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where our, our digital team, uh, is located. Um, but, um, you know, we've got, um, uh, uh you know, as I mentioned, 10 branches. I, I think we've got, Uh, some of the best bankers in South Florida working for professional bank. I'm I'm very grateful for them to be on the team that I get to work with so many wonderful people every day, not only on the front lines, but in the back, in the back of the office. Um, There's so many great things that, that uh, our bankers do. And um, um, my, my job simply is to create a, a franchise where, um, people won't want to bank. There's a a sense of of uh, personal touch to it, and where the best people won't want to work. Um, you know in today's age, especially in the banking business, it's like uh, it's like uh, the NFL, everybody's a free agent. and you know I'm sure you've 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 worked with one banker uh, that's that's perhaps been at three or four different banks over the last ten years. Um, um, I'd like to be uh, a bank where we, we attract some of the best bankers and, and they don't leave. And um, I would tell you that, you know, we, we bank everybody. You don't have to have a minimum. You don't have to be in a certain business. Some people um, mistakenly take us, you know, professional bank that you need to be a professional. Well, that's not uh, necessarily the case. Professional means professional to, to a lot of different people. Uh, uh, we bank, you know, not only the, the doctors, the accountants, the lawyers, but we did bank teachers, we bank, you know, n- n- nurses, we, we, we bank um, real estate developers, uh, entrepreneurs, a ton of small businesses. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I like to think that um, we've got um, a, a really good balance between having the great digital tools uh, service and product offerings just as good as the big banks through our, our mobile and digital channels, but also have people here on the ground uh, that can come to your house, that will come to your business um, and eliminate as much of the brain damage in interacting with your typical bank as as, as, as you
1: can. Dan, I can totally relate to the concept of uh, having the smaller enterprise where the people are more willing to hustle than uh, the big bank where it takes weeks and weeks to get anything done uh, in the financial industry in many cases it's a very similar arrangement and sometimes working with a smaller firm you're going to get uh, a heck of a lot more attention now the problem that I've always found with with uh, banks that were successful or financial services firms that were successful in doing those things is that they were so good at it that they grew so fast that they ended up either getting swallowed up uh, by the bigger uh, competitors or uh, they end up becoming one of the bigger uh, players in the marketplace. So it's great to uh, be along for the ride while you guys are on the upward uh, trajectory at Professional Bank. One of the really cool things that you've done within the last six months uh, is that you got to go uh, basically ring the bell, I think, at the NASDAQ because you took the bank public. How cool was that?
2: Uh, Kerry, it was really special. Um, you know, the, the, the team and I, this is, uh, you know, we started the bank in, in uh, you know, we started working on it, it 07, opened the doors in '08, and to be a part of it uh, from day one, to uh, pushing the button and opening the market on February fourteenth, two 2020 was just really, really special. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it's only possible because I'm surrounded by such a great team uh, to get us there. Um, but it, it was really cool. I had my folks up there. I had um, Danny, Jack, and, and Kate, my, my kids, and my wife, Christy, were up there as well as uh my executive leadership team and and their significant others it was a really special time you know we we uh um were the first bank ipo in 2020 and given what's going on right now we, we may be the last bank ipo in 2020 the, the only bank ipo in 2020 but boy was that a special time um we we uh were allowed to take over or were granted uh, to take over the NASDAQ uh, digital billboard in Times Square. And I had our digital team put together um, a, a rolling banner with just all of, uh, all of our employees headshots on there. And so we were able to bring our entire org chart, all of our employees with us. Everybody can say that they were uh, their face and that they were up in Times Square. And it was just such a cool experience uh, being in the, in the NASDAQ, uh, uh, you know, g- g- global headquarters studio. Uh, in fact, the, the uh, studio we were in that you, you ring the bell is the same one that uh, hosts uh, the uh, CNBC Squawk Box every
1: morning. Very nice. Well, congratulations, Dan, to both you and your team. If I can, I'd like to shift gears for uh, just a few minutes and talk a little bit about some of the things that have influenced you uh, over your life. Would you say that you've got one or two uh, people that you would credit with being a phenomenal mentor to you?
2: Well, I, you know, my, 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 my dad has been... Um such a great guy, uh, over time. Uh, you know, when, when you, you, you're growing up, um, to now, I just look back, there's different things you need, you you know, uh, different, different, different things you need, um, skills or or, or, skills or just, you know, ways of thinking. And I would tell you, my, my dad gave me a long enough leash to let me go out and kind of make some mistakes on my own, which was really important. he, I was afforded probably quite a bit of freedom, um, perhaps more than, than some of my friends growing up. Um, and, you know, I, I did, did, uh, uh, you know, make, make mistakes along the way, but it, it was, no, nothing was ever fatal. He, he always made sure that at the end of the day um, I wasn't making any, any big mistakes. And, you know, he, he is, um, you know, t- to this day, I, I, I go around town and there's, there's, there's so much goodwill uh, around town um, fr- from my father b- being active, and he has really set set a really uh, high bar for um, you know the, the the reputational capital that that he's he's created for 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 me and and the family here in in Palm Beach County. There's not a week that goes by that you know uh, even now he says oh you, you know you, you must be Dick Sheehan's son or you know you. Or you know, you, let me tell you about a time when your dad helped me, uh, or let me tell you about a time when your, your dad you know gave me some advice, and um, that, that's that's really cool uh, for me. And and I hope that I can uh, uh, at the end of the day um, leave as good a mark as as he has done in the community. He's he's a charitable guy. He's a, the chairman emeritus of the the uh, Palm Beach chapter the First Tee of the Palm Beaches. Before that, he was. Uh, very involved in the March of Dimes, was always um, uh, seeking uh, support and rallying around um, uh, causes that involved, you know, help, helping children and, and and families that are disadvantaged. And uh, he he set a set a pretty high mark that I uh, that uh, that I, I'm I, as I get older, I, I just it's it's uh, means more and more uh, to me.
1: Dan, you certainly have uh, big shoes to fill. Let me ask you this question. Uh, is there a, I'm sure you set goals every year. Many of us set our own personal goals and business goals, uh, for you, uh, for Dan Sheehan, how do you define success? When will you know that you've made it?
2: Gosh, well, um, I, um, there's a lot of, a lot of different ways to measure success as you know, and I think that's where you're getting, you know, going at getting at with your question. I, I would define success is just being rich in friendships um, and, and being healthy, and uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate uh, to have 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 a lot of great friends in town. Unfortunately, I don't get to see them as much as I'd like to because I'm, you know, growing the business and and so forth. Um, and you know, I'm raising you know three kids, but um, you know, great friendships. Uh, I want to be healthy. And last but not least, probably most importantly, is is I want to, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I've got three young children. Um, I, I just want to be a, a, the best dad uh, who's really engaged, um, that, that have three happy kids uh, at the end of the day. And so, if, if I can remain healthy, um, have great friendships uh, in the community and have three, three kids that are are healthy and, and, and
1: productive members of community, uh, I'm good. Yeah. And that's a great definition. Uh, tell me a little bit about living in Palm beach County and what it means to you. And, you know, I called this podcast business in paradise because you, you were moved down here, uh, by your folks, but I chose to move down here because this place is uh, just so fantastic. So you came back, why'd you come back? And what do you love about it here?
2: Yeah, so you know, I, I kind of came back twice. So the, you know, the New York return to Florida is one set of reasons, and then, then the Miami return to Palm Beach County was 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 another set. Um, so look, Florida in general is a great place. Palm Beach spe- specifically is is a great fit for the lifestyle I'm seeking. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of places in the in the country um, that you know y- you can. Uh, play around a round of golf at a at a world class uh, you know a, a golf course uh, in the morning. Uh, go out on the boat in the afternoon. Uh, c- come home and go to a, a great restaurant. And by the way, you live within two minutes of, of of a great you know private school and so forth. And and for me, you know, coming back, um, I'll share the calculus with you. not, not only was it closer to family. So my kids get to have the grandparents uh, in their lives for sporting events and so forth, but it's the schooling, um, as well as you know, b- being able to uh, expose your kids perhaps to, to a little bit more, you know, up here. And I tell you, the, the world's a, a little bit flatter. Uh, you know, I find certainly in the in the bigger cities, while your kids might be exposed to more walking around on the sidewalk. Um, you, you know, there, there's there's pockets, right? So if you're living in New York City, there's certain cliques of, of families that just hang together. Uh, certainly in Miami, similarly. Up here, I think your kids are exposed to just a, a little bit more with sports. Um, uh, and, uh, and a little bit more balance. And I think for, for, for Chris and I too, it's healthier. You know, I think our, my, my, and I still commute down to Miami, you know, w- once a week uh, uh, once every 10 days or so. And I love Miami. I, I love Miami. I love the energy and love, love, spending time down there, but coming back up here, you know, my heart rate goes down a little bit. It's easier to find a parking spot we still have great restaurants up here and it's not uh, hand-to-hand combat to get a reservation. And, uh, um, you know, the, the golf's great uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just think overall living and, and, and lifestyle is much more balanced uh, uh, up here versus, versus elsewhere.
1: And Dan, uh, just so our listeners know, uh, tell us who your sports teams are and do you have a sports hero?
2: So uh, I am a Miami Dolphins fan. Um, I am a Miami Marlins fan. Um, as far as uh, basketball goes, I'm a Miami Heat fan. Um, uh, you know, I'm a Duke football fan uh, for, for college. After that, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a University of Florida football Gators fan. Thank goodness they don't play each other uh, every year. Um, I don't think I, I, you know, I have a a, a sports hero uh, in mind uh, at all. I, I just uh, I love a lot of the greats, and, and I, I love watching sports. Not necessarily just because of the skills, but I just it's the, the mental toughness and the the commitment uh, that so many of these guys do not only with, with their bodies, but you know, with their minds. Uh, it's just re- really admirable what, what you know what what professional
1: athletes do um, in, in that regard. Dan, do you have a favorite business book that you've read?
2: Gosh, uh, I have, I have a, 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 a bunch. Um, I have a bunch. Uh, I mean, I, I can tell you that the most recent one I, I read, which I thought was great was, uh, a ride of a lifetime by, by, by Bob Iger, uh, former, uh, chairman, CEO of, uh, Walt, uh, Walt Disney Company. It was a great read. I've uh, also um, uh, read recently uh, a book by Eric Schmidt, um, The Trillion Dollar Coach. It was a really interesting um, story about um, a coach that Google uh, hired uh, and kind of transformed their their culture and integrating uh, so many different initiatives and and just bringing personal relationships into the culture.
1: And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th- those to name a few. Those are great choices. Do you, Dan, do you use a business coach or have you ever used a business coach in what you're doing at the professional bank or before?
2: Um, no, I haven't. Although, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I talk to, I'm, I'm fortunate to have, uh, you know, a different friends and or um, people that I, can, that I can call and be, be fairly frank with um, and, and and kind of talk through some of these these situations. So I, I don't have a business coach per se, but depending on the issue, depending on the topic, um, I, I'm fortunate to have you know people that I can reach out to and and uh, 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 help me through uh, certain certain times when I when I need a little bit of clarity and and outside uh, thinking and, and new perspective on things.
1: Now, Dan, uh, you've been an entrepreneur for many many years. Uh, Is there one piece of advice that you would give to younger or newer entrepreneurs that are starting out a business uh, as far as what they need to do to become successful, how they should conduct themselves, uh, anything that just jumps out at you that you would say, hey, you're getting started, here's something you should think about?
2: Yeah, just don't don't let perfect get in the way of good. Uh, there's so many young people. I mean, it's interesting. I was interviewing uh, some y- younger folks uh, a year or two ago, and I remember um, seeing these things on their resume that you would have never seen when I, I was their age, but so many of them were going on sabbaticals, t- just taking time off, or they worked for this company for six months, then another company for nine months. And look, I, I can appreciate uh, people wanting to, you know, experience uh, new, new companies, travel, et cetera. Qu- quite frankly, you know, perhaps I should have done a little bit more of that when I was younger. But um, I would tell you that that you know, when you're young, um, you should you should if, if there's something that interests you, um, but, but isn't quite perfect. Go for it. You, you never know what's right around the corner. You never know what new interests you might develop as a result of get, you know, get, getting into it, a new profession. And early on, as I, as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's important to learn what you, you want to do, but it's equally important to learn what you don't want to do. The older you get, the hard it, harder it is to unwind uh, careers and start new ones. And so, it's a lot easier the earlier on. Go, go get a few bad jobs. Not you know, you're not pursuing bad jobs, but but get after it. Go get in there and and um, learn a lot. I mean, the, the the value is in the lessons that come with a bad job. The value is in the lessons that. Perhaps come with a, a, a failure of a business idea or a startup. It's it's the the learning and reflecting on those experiences that puts you in such a better position when those decisions in your or your next decisions have a, a lot more on the line. I e. you're older and you, you know you got a bigger commitment with supporting a family, et cetera. So I think you know get, getting getting after it early and and uh, get, getting out and don't just seek you know the highest paying job but money comes and goes, you, you can't buy happiness. Mm. Um, you, you know, it's, it's important to figure out what makes you happy.
1: And, and I would also add, and I know it's along the same lines, is don't be afraid to make mistakes. You're going to fail along the way. And you need to accept that, pick yourself up and uh, continue to move yourself along because you will learn from every single one of those experiences. So listen, Dan, this has been a great conversation. I have one last question for you. And uh, my last question is, what's next? What's your next act for Dan Sheehan?
2: Well, um, you know, we're going to continue to, to, to grow professional bank. We've got aspirations to be uh, a premier bank, not just in South Florida, but, you know, one day perhaps in other, other areas of the state. Um, so an awful lot of energy is, is going into that, and, you know, quite frankly, a lot of my discretionary time, which, which is limited, but any leftover discretionary time is you know, spent, spent with uh, the kids. Uh, and so um, I can't say that I have you know, a next big act or that I'm pivoting uh, uh, from the, the vector uh, that I'm on right now, but uh, I, I'd like to think that um, each day brings new challenges with, with, with uh, you know, growing grow the bank. It's a consolidating industry. Florida is one of the best markets in the country, so it's one of the most competitive uh, markets. And uh, and I'd say that uh, look, I, I I may be getting older um, numerically, but but I, I just I want to stay young. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm a, oh, I want to stay healthy, and uh, I'm, I'm eating, uh, watching what I eat more so than I ever have. I'm stretching more so than I ever have, and. Um, I need to keep up with these three kids.
1: Dan, we're going to have to have uh, a longer conversation about how you can help me with some of those things, uh, because uh, I can certainly improve in that area. Listen, you've been a great guest. I can't thank you enough for coming in the Business in Paradise podcast today. Uh, I'm Carrie Stamp. Uh, Dan Sheehan, uh, who is a CEO and chairman of Professional Bank and Professional Holding Corp, has been our guest today. Dan, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Kerry. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, principal wealth advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp and Company is located at 110 Bridge Road to Cuesta, Florida 33469 Securities and Advice services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.